raise the bar on health, and live with maximum vitality. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. Andrea is a Bali-based naturopath redefining health as living with maximum vitality. Tune in for practical life advice and start aligning with what your body wants. Our bodies are trying to talk to us. Let's listen. Self-healing takes form in fasting. So we'll talk a little bit with you. Yeah, there's him. All right, he wrote me a Facebook message. So we'll talk a little bit about a do-it-yourself fast DIY. I believe was the term you had used. DIY fast, do-it-yourself fast. We'll talk about that. And then we had another request to talk about a totally separate lecture that I give, uh, entitled "The Vegetarian Protein Myth." That's a fun one, too. So we'll see how we integrate those together. But I didn't finish my biases yet, all right? So natural medicine, I definitely have a bias toward fasting, yeah? I also have lots of experience with the digestive system. I'm a career colon hydrotherapist and director of colonics here. So I'm a big proponent of things coming out. Right? Are you a big proponent of things coming out? It's really important for things to come out. Most people in the world today don't have things come out as much as they're supposed to. Who can tell me who's been here before how often we're supposed to be pooping as human beings? Once per meal per day. So that should be shocking for most of you, because that's also something you weren't taught in school. Something comes in, something goes out, it makes sense, just like babies, just like dogs. Somehow in our adult life, we mature out of this. We mature into a social sphere that doesn't actually serve our body. Has anyone been to some social event and the next day you were like, God, I feel horrible. I feel sick. For some reason, our social life doesn't often support healthy living. That's the case for you. Then it's always, always a really good time to start to make a social sphere, perhaps make friends, who also are interested in healthy living. I'm making some assumptions about you guys because you came to a health lecture. So I'm assuming that you're interested in living health. And so it's, 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 start, it's important to start thinking about these things. That's what I'll say. And really, my only intention with these Monday Night Talks is to help people think, right? To start to think critically about health. Start engaging, right? Not just listening, oh, I heard vitamin B12 is like totally something you need. Or where are you going to get your iron? Or how do you get your protein, right? All these questions that we hear bouncing back and forth, reverberating. Right? We just repeat them because we've heard them before. Right? Everyone assumes that that's what they're supposed to be asking. Right? When indeed the whole science of nutritional science today is founded upon a far too narrow understanding. Right? And that's the concept that when we take a vitamin or a mineral, right? you can say vitamin C, like a vitamin C capsule, when you take that completely out of its natural form, maybe even you synthesize it in the laboratory, And then you take it in the body, there's an assumption that first of all, the body will recognize whatever the heck that is. And then secondarily, that the body will absorb it and use it in the same way that it would use the vitamin C in an orange. Preferably a local in-season organic ripe orange. But the body sees those two things as completely different. So hopefully the first myth that we can debunk this evening, besides constipation, is the myth of vitamins, multivitamins. I got a question this week on the Facebook page about multivitamins. Is that girl here? No? She probably left Bali. All right, but yeah, that's a really good question. She asked what I think about multivitamins. Well, that's what I think, that there's no guarantee, right? There's been very little study on the actual input, the efficacy, right? You all, you've probably heard before, oh no, you just have expensive urine, right? You're peeing it all out. And so people aren't really asking these questions of what happens after things enter the lips. Because it's the body and how the body wants to absorb or take things in. It's also the actual thing that you've taken in. Was it made in the laboratory? Probably needs to be digested in the laboratory, if so. And so on and so forth. So that was from my bias, that great old tangent, was from my bias toward natural medicine and natural living and natural health. Because in natural health, believe it or not, we don't use things like vitamins. 
All right, enough of my biases, I think. They'll come up if they're important, if I have more of them. You're welcome to ask me about them. What do we do in these talks? Uh, my intention, again, I already told you, is to get you to think critically. But moreover, my intention is to help people start to raise the bar on health and what health is. Okay, because it's been far too long that we've disempowered ourselves and literally given our health away to doctors and the Western medical profession at large. Have you ever come home from the doctor and someone says, what did the doc say? As if you, who's lived in your body for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, don't know anything about this vessel that you're traveling through life inside of. And so a big part of my job is starting to translate the messages that the vessel is sending at all times. Yeah? And by raising the bar on health, what we're acknowledging is that there is an inner vitality that lives inside of us. That's indeed our birthright, being born onto this earth. And so a lot of my job as a yoga teacher, as well as as a health teacher, you could say, is helping to connect people back into that inner vitality, that internal life force. Because when that happens and you realize that it's there, you start to form your life around serving that, around maintaining that vitality. Because that vitality is health. Health is not merely absence of disease. You're not sick, so you're healthy. Let's change the definition. Let's raise the bar on health. Health is feeling like you did when you were a kid. Like you could go run around and play all day long. That's health. And a lot of people in the world today, because of our stress, because of our unideal living situations, right? Living in a city, tons of energy flung at you at all times, right? Because of the radiation, because of the chemicals that we're exposed to, we start to dampen, right? And I didn't even get into diet or the fact that we don't poop or the fact that we're totally dehydrated. How much water are you supposed to drink per day? Yeah, be confident with your answers, love bugs. Three liters of water, that's what I recommend as a minimum because that's the amount of water that your body loses simply by waking up in the morning. So dehydrated, right? Overfed, you eat way too much. Way, way, way too much, right? All the time, usually three to five times a day. Yeah, sugar, sure, processed foods, anything like that. Can you see why people today are not healthy? And the statistics are worse than they've ever been before. I was born in the United States where today, two in five young children have diabetes. Can I repeat that for you? Two in five have diabetes. That's 40%, right? This is supposed to be the first generation of children that will not outlive their parents. Yeah. And this stuff might seem really passe, but guess what? The next 20 years is when we're gonna start to embody and understand what's really going on in this world. Now, another one of my biases, last one, and then we'll get into the heart of the lecture, is very much living a plant-based diet and lifestyle. And the reason for that is because I've studied under Dr. Colin T. Campbell of Cornell University, and he's the author of the longest nutrition study ever done. It's called the China study. You can write it down if you don't know about it. Yeah? This is a study comparing diet and presence or absence of disease between rural Chinese people and the standard American. Right, what do you think the results are? Who's sicker? Yes, very good. I'm glad you passed that test. Okay? Yes, the standard American indeed is sicker. But that's not the full finding of the study. In fact, the full finding of the study shows that the five most prevalent maladies of today, heart disease, autoimmune diseases, cancer, diabetes, and obesity, are all not only completely preventable, but plausible and reversible through diet and lifestyle change alone. That should be big news. Anyone know anyone with one of those diseases I named? Yeah, unfortunately we've just had our operations manager very recently pass away from one of them. So we can take a breath for her. 
this stuff doesn't have to happen. We don't have to get sick. The next 20 years of statistics doesn't have to follow the past 20 years. My market, my field research for my masters was based upon looking at generational change, specifically here in Bali, due specifically to change in diet. When the diet changes, disease rises. And so what is this diet change, you might ask? Well, of course, it's a diet, a lot higher in like sugar, like you said. In general, refined products, right? things that are white, powders, flour, sugar, refined foods, eating a lot more animal products, meat, yeah? and eating things like refined oils. That's a big one that not many people know, even people in the health food world. Yeah? Hydrogenated oils, or even things like canola oil, soybean oil, palm oil. If you eat at restaurants, you eat these oils. And they are some of the most inflammatory substances that we know today. And so I do believe in my practice, and I see it all the time, that people are walking around, almost everyone, with low-grade autoimmune response from exposure to these things. And so when we start to say, you know what, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to tap into this inner vitality, right? and I'm going to do that by pooping more and hydrating more, right? and eating more hydrating foods. That's number one. And then the second thing is I'm going to start to, you know, be a bit discretional about what I choose to put in here. And that's not only food or drink. That's also the people you surround yourself with. It's also the situations you're in, the TV shows you watch, what you look at on Facebook. I'm a big fan of unfriending people. Right? With great love and full freedom. Because all of that's input. If you're putting in things that will literally depress your system, then your system will be depressed. Alright. So, from here, I think we can move on. That's my little intro with a few tangents in it. We have to integrate these two parts of the lecture. The first one will be a do-it-yourself fasting. Right? And then the second part of the lecture is the protein myth. And I think I want to do the protein myth first. And I'm going to try as hard as I can to encapsulate it into like five minutes time. Okay? So the protein myth. Have you ever thought about, oh, am I getting enough protein? Raise your hand. Alright, so definitely, probably all the vegetarians in the room have raised their hand. Probably the rest of you are like gym buffs. You're raising your hand, yeah? Somehow, in the 50s, when we discovered what protein was, and we isolated it as a macronutrient in the laboratory, we said, hey, this is a good thing. In fact, this makes up most of our amino acid chains. Right? This is what's making up physically our body. But we had this reductionist, scientific ideal, really a Newtonian idea, an idea from René Descartes, Right? I think, therefore I am, where we're separate from things. That there's not a holistic entity. That's when this stuff started to change, from the 1500s onward. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that, by the way? All right, I won't go into that tangent. Come back next week. So, when we start to understand the body as a whole being, we can start to understand also that what we put in it won't only affect one certain thing that what we put in it will affect everything. So this is a shout back to my Facebook comment. Yeah? You can get a tummy ache from negativity on Facebook. Psychosomatic relationship. Right. But in terms of this whole protein question, when we discovered what it was in the laboratory, we said, it's a good thing. You can't have too much of a good thing. Would anyone beg to differ with that statement? Do you think you can have too much of a good thing? Yeah? Are these my Scorpios in the room? <laughs> Or not? Maybe not? Yeah? Well, the question became protein. Right? Let's get more of it. Malnourished children, let's get more of it. Right? When indeed, Colin T. Campbell's research in the Philippines was with malnourished children. And what did he give them? Lots of protein. And what did they get? Sicker. And so he started asking questions. Right? And that led to 50, 60 years later where he is today. But this idea that we can't get enough protein was not what the researchers in the 50s were talking about. 
They were looking about maybe getting more. But just because they want to get more doesn't mean that you can't get enough. Because if you were to sit here and open a Western medical journal and look through all of the diseases, you would find not one. That's deficiency of protein. It simply does not exist. And today we fast forward to the day where, of course, meat is very omnipresent in our world. Right? Most people eat it usually multiple times per day. And we associate meat with protein. Because what is meat? Meat is flesh of animal. It's the amino acid chain of animals. So it's kind of like protein in its most crude form. But the truth of food or plants is that plants exist in entirety. I didn't share that bias, sorry. I have a master's degree in ethnobotany. It's studying plants and food plants specifically. Yeah? And so I look at food plants, and we see that within every plant, you have protein, carbohydrate, and fat. And that's what makes a whole food, is that entirety of the macronutrients. All three exist in every whole food. So what that means is that spinach has fat in it, right? And a cantaloupe actually has a whole heck of a lot of protein in it. When we start to expand and understand whole food nutrition, we can start to embrace this concept. And what we can take from there is that if you have a whole food, fresh, varied diet, usually of plants, then there is actually no way physically possible that you can or will be protein deficient. Simply not there in the medical journals. That's a pretty big realization because most of you have been told otherwise. Vegetarians in the room, not to single you out or anything, but you've been told otherwise, you've been asked where do you get your protein. Next time that happens, I want you to tell someone, where does a gorilla get its protein? A gorilla! Right, humongous animal, very strong bones. What does it eat? Tons of leafy greens and tons of fruit. Yeah? No one asks him where to get your protein. Sure, he might have an insect or two inside of fruit. But we humans, who sometimes we share like 98% of our DNA with those great apes, that's a lot of DNA to share, we've gone so far away from that. And that's okay, because that's what's helped us to survive in the world. Our resilience, right? To start to eat other things that weren't meant for us. But we've gone a bit too far today. And that's reflected by those disease statistics that I shared with you before. Yeah. So that idea of protein, I hope that that, just in and of itself, like I don't need to say more, I give a lot more in the full protein lecture, but just that idea that there is no Western medical diagnosis of too little protein. Right? There's things like Quashicor, which is of course not too little protein, it's actually malnourishment. Right? If someone's malnourished, then of course they're also going to have not enough fat, not enough carbohydrate, they don't have enough anything, so they're not going to have enough protein. But not enough protein in and of itself simply does not exist. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's shift gears. Shift gears with me. And we're going to talk about the opposite. What happens when we don't eat? Well, in short, when we don't eat, this is something that our body's been programmed to do. Over millennia, in fact. We're programmed to go through cycles of feast and famine. And feast and famine. Because we had to survive in the world. And food wasn't always guaranteed. And so our body, in our DNA, it's written that we can thrive and survive for long periods of time in famine. And the human body can indeed live for 40 to 50 or more days on water alone. Right? If you're giving the human body green juice, sure, 90, 100, 120 days, green juice alone, easy. Easy. Because the, the body is a magical vessel and we have within it these stores. Right? Minerals, nutrients, vitamins. Inside, definitely fat. You got some energy to live off of. Anyone? Got some energy to live off of? Yeah, for a while, okay? And so just acknowledging that as well is pretty miraculous, to acknowledge that the body has a lot more power than you give it credit for. Who's ever been to five o'clock and they've been like, oh, I haven't eaten yet today. Oh, poor me. Anyone? 
No? Come on. I know more of you have had that thought cross your mind. Because we are actually really addicted to eating, and that's not a bad thing. But it's a natural product of the fact that the feast is always there and the famine never comes. And so something I've started to say recently in these discussions is that I really think that everyone has a complicated relationship to food. I'm not going to say everyone has an eating disorder, but every human on earth today has a complicated relationship with food. And so to acknowledge that and to feel that you're not alone in that is really important. The other side then of the mountain is coming to understand how and why, and that's where fasting can teach us a lot. And so last week, what did we talk about? We talked about fasting and a little bit about fasting, but it wasn't enough because I didn't give the do-it-yourself version, so we're going to do that part of it this week. But in general, just to catch the rest of you up who weren't here last week, when we stop taking in solid fibrous matter, the digestive system, which can take up to 70% of all available energy, slowly shuts down over a period, usually of three days. During that time, the energy that would normally go to digestion can go to heal and cleanse at a cellular level. And that's amazing, right? Because remember, one of the first things I said, the body has full intention and capability to heal itself. All you have to do is give it time and space to do so. So a fast is by all means the time and space needed. Because you're not putting in all the input. Right? Try sometime, do like a Facebook fast and see how it resolves. Yeah? And when we don't put in the input, the body can just be with itself. You guys are at the yoga barn, so I can make a small assumption that you might be yogis. Right? Maybe you've tried meditation before. Yeah? Some of you? Come on, the rest of you got to try it out. <laughs> in meditation, what do we do? We sit and we be with ourselves. Well, fasting is a kind of meditation whereby we allow the body to just be. We don't ask it to process and process and process and process all the time. And so those are the benefits. Other benefits of fasting are things like disease reversal, right? Incredible clarity. Clarity of the mind, clarity of the spirit, clarity of the emotions. Quite often I have people leave the programs here at the yoga barn and say, I know what I want to do with my life. Because this amazing clarity comes when we stop putting in so much chemical signaling. All of a sudden people can sit back and just receive and be clear. Because we're not smudging it all up. You see that? Amazing. Other benefits of fasting are physical clarity. If that's clarity of the skin, clarity of the eyes, clarity of the energy, clarity of the belly, that's a big one. This is the part of the area that we normally totally close off, especially as females, suck in, hide away. Right? When indeed, when we fast, a lot of the inflammation in the intestinal tract, which, mind you, is your big belly, for most, most of you men and women, right? that inflammation gets to subside. And when that happens, all of a sudden, we feel clear. Last year, February, love her. I miss her a lot. An Australian detoxer said to me, I feel like my colon is smiling at me. Right? It was this great dramatic statement. She had a reconnection with this part of the body. In energetic medicine, this is the hara in Japanese medicine, the dantian in Chinese medicine, the swadhisthana chakra in yoga. This is the seat of it all. This is the place where we're born from, literally the womb. And so to reconnect into this area of the body is a very important thing to do. So, let's see. Other benefits of fasting are definitely a renewed connection to your vital life force energy, which comes from here. And I, I, my famous quote is that on day 17 of a water fast, I could feel like I would run a marathon. That much energy. Of course, I don't. I'm very responsible about my energy. I send it inward to the body to heal. But I often call it like that spring back in your step. And so... I can tell you this, I mean, really, from my own life. I don't think people sometimes say I don't share from my own life enough. Right now, I'm teaching a yoga teacher training, and we're in the third week of it. And in the yoga teacher training schedule, we have three meals a day. Whereas in my personal life, I rarely, if ever, eat three meals a day, right? We're not, what is that, three square meals a day? That was something totally invented in the 1940s in the United States, and then exported to the whole world. 
That's not something that's like by law, have three meals a day for a healthy human body. Not at all. Again, I told you, we're meant to go through cycles of feast and famine. And so I've been eating with the students to socialize and get to know them and be a good teacher and all that stuff. And I've been feeling so heavy, bogged down, and exhausted. Thank God today's a day off, so I'm here at my job at the yoga barn working, right? And today I've eaten, I mean, I'm not encouraging this, so don't take this as like a suggestion. I've eaten like, I don't know, eight baby bananas. And I feel great. Because I've given my body a break. You see that? And so what this is doing is twisting that old adage of food is fuel on its head. Whereby we think always that we need to get something from outside to run ourselves, as if we were like an automobile and we need petrol. But when we reconnect to this inner vitality, this inner life force, all of a sudden we realize that we can run off of that. And so that's the big shift that I try to help people put in their minds. So do-it-yourself fasting, of course, things like that are really uh, tempting, that you want all of those things, you want that clarity, you want the healing, and right? you want a restart of the body, proven to jumpstart the immune system, a three-day fast, and that was research that came out about six months ago, awesome, right? immune cells recycle, or literally rebooted, this reset, magic, right? I won't lie to you, fasting is not all fun and games, I often liken it to a roller coaster, have you been on a roller coaster before? Yeah, we have ups and we have downs, right? And they're both part of the roller coaster. They can both be fun if we look at them both as fun. Well, the dip down of the fasting roller coaster are what we call detox symptoms. Right? These are things like headaches, nausea, general sense of fatigue or weakness, sometimes diarrhea or vomiting. And these purging is an indication of the body healing itself. Even when you're eating, vomiting or diarrhea is the body healing itself. Because whatever you put in there, it does not want inside. So it's doing its job. The minute you take that anti-diarrheal, or even the minute you go to eat when you have diarrhea, you're disempowering your body's natural healing force. All right? But now I'm getting on another tangent. So I'll just cut it there. All right? Those are the, some of the detox symptoms. And they're a very real part of fasting. The reason that we have them is because if there's toxicity in the body, anything old that the body doesn't want anymore, it has to be literally transported to the colon, right, or to the lungs for exhale or for release. And on the mode of transportation, quite often it's the metro system of the blood in which these toxins ride. Right? So when you have toxicity in your blood, how do you think you're going to feel? A little bit toxic? Yeah. Normal, natural. Have you ever met someone who wakes up in the morning and they're like, ugh, don't talk to me. I need my food first. Give me some coffee and then I'll talk to you. Anyone know someone like that or anyone someone like that? <laughs> All right, those are most of the hands up in the room. Yeah? Well, that kind of person has been going for a night which is actually a little bit like a mini fast. That's why in English we have this morning meal that we call break fast, break, breakfast, break fast. You see that? We're breaking the fast. And so that person overnight, after the stomach has finished digesting dinner, they went into a mini fast where the body actually got to start to cleanse and do house cleaning and clear, right? Detoxify. And so when they wake up in the morning feeling horrible, it's all those toxins running through the bloodstream. So what does that person do? They go and they run and they get their coffee or they get their breakfast. And what does that do? Breaks the fast, right? stops the fast. And when you stop the fast, the detox will also stop. You see that? And so they think that it was the coffee or the breakfast that made them feel better. But actually, it was the coffee or the breakfast that stopped the process of detoxification. So indeed, if instead, if that person's like your partner or your sister, if you gave them like two giant bottles of water, like this size, and you had them drink them slowly, a sip every few minutes, right, over a period of time, you had them definitely poop. Maybe you had them do some yoga or other kind of drainage, dynamic exercise. I promise they'd come out on the other side probably feeling really good. And they might thank you. 
You should do it with them so it's not like you're a sergeant telling them what to do. But what if we started to shift our everyday life to something that supports health rather than something that's suppressing? So that's just a thought. Do it yourself fasting. What to do? Right, he's getting out his notebook. He's like, finally, I'm here for an hour. She just starts. <laughs> all right, do it yourself fasting. What can we do? First of all, uh, fasting is something that I do recommend for most people. Yeah, if you're severely underweight, if you have a severe eating disorder, right, if you're severely on heavy doses of medication, along with a few other contraindications, it's not recommended. But the kind of fasting that I'm talking about is short term. Because do-it-yourself means that you'll be doing it yourself, that I'm not guiding you through it. Okay? And so do-it-yourself fasting, what's a good way to start? Guess what? By having this for breakfast. It's not vodka. <laughs> okay? Having water for breakfast, that's a great way to start. You know, fasting until 12 p.m. Giving your body a little extended fast from the night before. Right? Try that one, two, three times, maybe over a month's time. From there, you can try, you know, having water or green juice or coconut water only until dinner. See how that goes? See if when the clock hits 5 o'clock, if you're like, oh, poor me, I haven't eaten. Or if you're like, I feel pretty good. Wow. And then from there, the next step, of course, after you've practiced that and you feel confident in that, is to fast through till the next morning. One full day, 24-hour fast. And that'll probably feel like a big accomplishment to many people, very important. From there, do that a few times, maybe over a month, two months period, just to make sure that you feel confident and easy in this. From a one-day fast, you can go to a two-day fast. I encourage you to take the weekend, because fasting and work are like polar opposite ends of a magnet. Cannot do the same together. However, fasting and rest are inherently intertwined and cannot be separated. Super important concept. Fasting and rest cannot be separated. So no, I'm sorry, you cannot fast and go to work. Cannot, will not, should not. Was not recommended here, okay? All right, more concepts of do-it-yourself fasting. Once you go to like a two-day, a three-day is within your reach. Do a three-day two, three, four times until you feel awesomely confident. From a three-day, you can even skip over to a five-day fast. Make sure it's when you're on holiday, Make sure it's when you're comfortable, when there's someone loving you and protecting you, not someone fear-mongering you. Yeah, so like I often can't fast at my mother's house. Be like, oh, why aren't you eating? Right? That kind of energy. You don't need that. It's okay. If that person doesn't understand, it's okay. And my mother, even though I've been fasting for more than a decade, quite regularly, she doesn't still fully understand. Sometimes she gets it, right, when she sees me at the end, or she sees how much energy I have. She understands. But then there are also those times, you know, where you dip down and you feel sick. And as a mother, you're like, oh, my poor child. Right? We have all of that. So you have to really trust in the process. And the reason that I'm saying go step by step, incrementally and slowly, is because fasting is like building a muscle, you know? And you wouldn't go and lift like a 400 kilo weight if you had only practiced lifting a 4 kilo weight. You know what I'm saying? And as you build your muscle, it gets stronger so that later on you can comfortably lift more or fast for longer. And most of fasting in the modern world of today is right here. That's where it happens. Not usually in the body, but in the mind. Yeah. And that's a big thing to realize because fasting, taking away food, often ignites like a red shining light, the root chakra of many people, muladhara chakra. We have here safety groundedness, shelter, food. These are all things of the root chakra, okay? And as soon as we take food, an integral part of our life, away, people tend to get really unstable, ungrounded. And so you have to make sure that you're going into this process empowered, knowing that it's a choice and knowing that you are safe. All right, so that's a big point of do-it-yourself fasting. If you didn't write that one down, write it. Safety, mental safety. From there, other principles of do-it-yourself fasting are indeed that you might be in bed for half the day, and that's fine, right? Get a good book. Relax. You don't have to do anything. For once in your life, you don't have to do anything. Breathing. Breathing techniques. 
awesome way to detoxify. Yeah, it's been found, a study from like four months ago, it was actually a Northern European study that when you exhale, that's actually how we metabolize fat cells. They, they leave the body through your breath. Now everyone's gonna go around. <laughs> right, we should advertise our pranayama class here as a weight loss class. But yes, the breath is one of the main detoxifiers. And so the more we can maximize our breath, everyone with me, put your hands on the side of your ribcage and begin to breathe into the belly, really big belly. Same inhale, breathe really wide into the ribs. Keep breathing in, keep breathing in. Lift your shoulders slightly, keep breathing in. Press out through the ribs. Push the belly out, lift your shoulders, and gently release and exhale. So that was about 15, 20 seconds. If you guys were just sitting here and I said take a 15 or 20 second inhale, you wouldn't be able to. But because you were creating space in the body, you were indeed able to take in more air for longer in a calmer way. How many of you breathe like that normally? You've been breathing like that the whole time, this entire class. Yeah, no one's hands up. Not even mine. Because this is part of our life today. We shallowly breathe. So a big part of fasting and detoxifying is getting deep into that breath. Another integral part of do-it-yourself fasting is making sure to ease in and ease out of the fast. So you would take a length of a fast, let's say it's four days, okay? You're going to take half the length of the fast to ease into the fast and half the length of the fast to ease out of it, all right? So two days, that's the math, right? Two days to ease in. The first day, of course, you're going to cut out all processed stimulus. You're going to cut out any kind of thing like sugar, caffeine, anything that stimulates you. Right? At that point in time, I also recommend you cut out not only all processed foods, but all animal products. Start to ease into the fast. So the first day is maybe like a vegetarian or even a vegan-like diet. Second day, the day right before the fast, you're going to want to start to eat things only in their natural state. And so what this means pretty much is fruits and vegetables, raw. Right? So you might eat fruit the whole day before the fast and then have some salad at night or something. And then the next morning you wake up and you have some water. What to have during a fast? Water, green juice, coconut water. Great things to have. Herbal tea if you want. Right? And you can choose at least two of those things and one of them has to be water. And you're on a great old fast. So if it's water and green juice, or if it's water and coconut water, right? Water and herbal tea, not so much, but green juice fasting is what I recommend for people. Definitely if you're doing it on your own. Okay? To ease off of the fast, we'll take the same two days in inverse. So the first day, we'll break the fast with one simple, ripe, organic kind of fruit. And you'll chew it really slowly, and you'll savor it. Don't worry, Tony, I'll send you directions for all of this. All right? And you love it. And you have it spend a lot of time in your mouth. And you start to experience eating in a whole new way. And then on the day after that, you start to slowly ease back in. Maybe, usually, when people come out of a fast, they don't want to go back to what their normal diet was. They're more discretionary about what they put in because inherently they're cleaner. And so there's going to be a, a greater effect of whatever comes inside because the body is more sensitive. And the sensitivity is a good thing. It's a compass. It's a guide. We're starting to understand our life and what we put in. And the second day you would eat pretty much plant food. And then after that, on the third day is when you would go back to a normal diet, whatever that means for you if it were a four-day fast. So you want to take half the length of the fast to ease in and ease out. Super important. Please learn the lesson from me 15 years ago when I used to like eat macaroni and cheese on the day I finished a fast because I was so imbalanced. I, you know, I hadn't eaten for eight days and so I was going to break it with like the most delicious meal ever. Right, please learn the lesson from me the hard way. I didn't have a teacher back then, so I didn't get lectures like this. So consider yourself fortunate. Because that's harmful to the body. Right? It's a shock to the body. Right? Other aspects of do-it-yourself fasting um, would be some movement, some gentle movement. Right? So you're here at the yoga barn, and I recommend that the fasters do things like the 1 p.m., the 3 p.m. class, right? the morning flow, the gentle classes that don't require a lot of calories because you're not taking in very many calories. Easy things. You just move the body a little bit, get the lymph flowing. Viparita Karani, legs up the wall, what I just showed you. I recommend that, you fasters. 
twice a day, at least 15 minutes, if not more. And relaxation. Relaxation. If you want to have other practices like yoga nidra for healing, yeah, or tai chi qigong, right? Whatever you want to start to reconnect. Really great time to journal. When you're fasting, write. Stream of consciousness writing is one of the most powerful ways to detoxify on another level because fasting itself will take care of the physical. As for the mental or emotional, pen to paper is what does that best. So just writing, 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 writing. Not writing to anyone or for anyone. Not writing anything that you'll read later. Literally writing as if you were putting it in the toilet. Afterwards, tear it out, tear it up, and throw it away. Burn it. And detoxify it. Super, super powerful. So the list goes on. Um, swish around whatever you're taking in, green juice or coconut water in your mouth to help with absorption and digestion. And just take it easy. There's no real guide post for how many juices you should or shouldn't drink during the time when you're fasting. In general, the less you have, the deeper your body will go into cleansing mode. Right? So I told you fasting is like a roller coaster. Well, juice fasting is like a roller coaster like this. Water fasting, where you're not taking anything else in, is a roller coaster like this. And the highs are much higher, the lows are much lower. And water fasting is not something that I would recommend for anyone, especially people who are not experienced in fasting, and definitely not unguided. And the reason for that is that the world we live in today is just genuinely too toxic. And that's okay. That's the reality. Right? But that's why we invented juicers. And you can do a green juice fast. And so some people do juice feasts, where they'll have like 20 juices in a day. That's a bit much, but it's okay if, if you want to have that much. I would just make sure that you're having at least three liters of water. Right? Water is your mainstay. It's the river running through you. Everything else on top of it is like a medicine. So those are some, some good beginner tips. I think that can get you pretty far. Um, the only other thing I would add to that is uh, colon cleansing. Yeah? It's not necessarily expected that you poop while on a fast because nothing's coming in this way, so it's not going to push things through the muscular activation of peristalsis to come out that way. So you genuinely just have to, you know, put some water in to dampen things up so the body can get rid of it on its own. And depending upon what kind of fast, anything over three days, I would recommend that you have some kind of colon hygiene in there. And that can be as simple as a home enema kit. And this is something you guys can Google to find out more about. Colon hydrotherapy is something I highly, highly, highly recommend. Not all colonics, however, are the same. Colon hydrotherapy is working with a therapist to get a much larger amount of water into the colon, often to the far end of the colon, and wash it out. Right? But a lot of colonics just assume dump water in, get poo out. But unfortunately, there are some risks involved with that, as I'm sure you can imagine. And so the only kind of colon hydrotherapy that I would ever recommend is gravity method colon hydrotherapy, where it's nothing but the force of gravity bringing the water into your body. And a lot of colonics today, unfortunately, are done from machines. That's like having a garden hose up your bum. Not fun, right? And so here we have a gravity colonics system, where it's nothing but the force of gravity bringing water into your body. But the goodness of our clinic doesn't stop there, because we practice a very specific method on the gravity setup. And this method is something called the Woods Method. It's a very traditional, very intentional, and very therapeutic form of colonics, whereby not only is the waste washed out, right? That happens just by putting the water in. Secondarily, in the method of colonics we practice here, we're physically rehabilitating the muscle of the colon, pumping the tube, sending a muscular signal to the colon to restabilize so that it's stronger. And when your colon's stronger, you better bet that you're going to start to poop more. So those of you who don't poop three times a day, this is definitely something could help. That could help. It's like your colon is lifting weights at a gym. You know? Imagine that? It's fun to imagine. No? Okay. The third intention, really specific intention of Woods Method Colon Hydrotherapy is to get water to the far end of the colon, a place called the cecum. This is the most toxic, toxic, toxic part of the body. And if we can take the matter there and wash it out, Right? Our teacher says that it could be roughly equivalent to one year of your life in toxicity. And what happens, most people go throughout their life never washing that out because the cecum's a blind end of the bowel. Stuff comes in through the small intestine and then just goes upward, right, through the ascending colon. So this is like a drop-off point 
On some maps, it's labeled as the region of worms. Right? The appendix is at the other side of it. And when we see someone with appendicitis, an infected appendix, we know that their cecum has literally overflowed. The toxicity has pushed into the appendix, right? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? So as we get water in there and we wash it out, it's very undeniable when it happens on the table. It's kind of like an atomic bomb mudslide. It's like awesome, really cool, and very liberating. Very liberating. And so if you were to have a series of colonics where you got a lot of this out, I promise your life would change. Your body as you know it would change, right? That heaviness, that dense energy, or that headache that you wake up with in the morning would not be there anymore because you allowed your body to release. And as one time a cecum releases, guess what? Your body goes into self-healing mode. It always wants to heal itself. So all of a sudden, the body takes all of the toxicity and dumps. Dumps back into the cecum. When the cecum fills again, what happens? If you go in for another colonic, then hopefully you're able to empty it again. And this happens time after time after time. Up to a certain point, of course. This isn't an addictive science, especially the Woods Method, because we're doing that muscular stabilization that once you leave the table, you should be inherently stronger so that you'll start to eliminate more on your own. And that's very much our desire. So if you are fasting anything longer than three days, highly recommended to incorporate bowel cleansing. But you don't have to be fasting to do bowel cleansing. You can also be eating. And it's one of the most powerful ways to detoxify while still eating. Because we still empty right, the cecum, the blind end. And when that happens, the body detoxifies. Whether you're eating or not, the body's going into self-cleaning mode. And so, what else can I say besides taking out the trash, right, cleaning up the shit? That is that second responsibility that I mentioned. That is a crucial part of being responsible for your health. Making sure that it's not all penned up and trapped up in your body. Because then what are you walking around as? A cesspool, right? A heap of waste. And so when we talk about health, when we talk about clarity, when we talk about fasting, when we talk about the need to have things like too much food or protein in general, right? We don't often talk about clearing and cleaning, and that's something that we should start bringing to the table more. So I'm going to give you guys all homework. You ready for it? Are you excited? Or were you scared when I said homework? <laughs> Your homework is to talk to someone who's not in this room about pooping. And that might seem really scary because poo is taboo. Right? But someone who's not in this room, talk to them about pooping. Because the more we start to make it normal, the healthier everyone's going to be. And guess what? Everyone poops. I'll leave you with those words. We don't really have too much time for questions, but if anyone has any quick question, I'm happy to answer it. Yes, sir. I have a question about um, natural sugar versus processed sugar. Because, well, there's this myth that we're still, like, if we switch to plain fruit, that that would be too much sugar for the body as well. So would you think yeah, that? so the, the, the quite, the de you said it, you said the answer in your definition, processed sugar. What processed means is that something's been taken out of its wholeness, its whole entirety. You see that? And so when sugars, right, if it's fructose or if it's a kind of form of glucose, has been taken out of the fibrous matrix of the fruit or whatever it was, if it was a palm or some kind of sugar cane, once it's taken out, then it's in a very concentrated form. And it's that concentrated form without the fibrous cellular matrix that gives us sugar highs or that imbalances us in a certain way. So when we have sugar in their natural whole form, like fruit or like when I lived in China, I used to chew on sugar cane, right? Then the body can absorb it in an easily slow manner. And that's something that's definitely important because guess what? Your brain runs off of glucose. Sugar is what we need. Our diet is meant to be based in carbohydrates. And what are carbohydrates? Fruits and vegetables. Nice question. All right, for the rest of you guys, I love you. Thank you so much for coming out. The conversation doesn't have to stop here. Yeah, you can come back any week. Topic always changes. I say a lot of the same stuff because it's important for people to know that they have to poop and drink more. Right? But otherwise, the, the topic changes. Um, please, 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 I invite you to come up here and take a picture of this or write this down. This is a Facebook page where I post 
research studies and articles and information every day, multiple times per day, to keep you thinking about these things. I'm doing this for you. Yeah, so come join me here. I answer all the messages that you send to this page personally. So if you have a question that did not get answered tonight, do send a message here and I'm happy to address it. Or like this cool guy over there, you can send in a topic and I'll be super happy to talk about it if I can, if I have that knowledge. Right? And as we continue to apply all of this to our own lives, this critical thinking, we also have an effect upon everyone around us. And as we start this movement from inside, as we begin to raise the level, raise the bar on health, right? as we begin to live for that inner vitality, the world is only going to become a more beautiful place. So this is here. Please come up here. I also have some flyers for the three-day cleanse program that starts um, Monday and Tuesday of every week. And I don't know if we have spaces for next week, but you can come read about it and uh, check that out. And then I have a newsletter, and I am about to, hopefully tonight, send out this month's newsletter. Um, I send out notes from these lectures, and I send out cool information and links to stuff. Um, so if you want, like once a month, you know, a little reminder from me to poop and drink and do things like that, I would love to connect with you. We're also starting the search for our next Yoga Barn Detox Department intern, Katie, who's been amazing with us, who's been amazing with us for the past few months, is going to leave pretty soon, which makes me sad. Um, but we need someone else to love, and so if you'd like to spend at least six months here, or if you know someone who would, let me know. Um, and otherwise, you guys, just remember, you don't have to change anything. And that's really important. You just have to continue being yourself and every day finding a deeper truth of what yourself is. So just allow this to rattle around until it comes to action. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Good night. Yeah. You're very welcome. All right. Incredible people. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Remember, you don't have to change anything right away. Simply become more consciously aware. Tune in next time for more interpretations of our body signals. And don't forget to reprioritize your life around your health to live with maximum vitality.